0: How far can Donovan Mitchell take the Cleveland Cavaliers? Is Evan Mobley's rise the key? Talk about all that. Welcome into the Lockdown NBA Playoff Preview. I'm Nick Engstead of Locked On NBA, and I'm joined by Evan Dammer of Locked On Cavs to give you everything you need to know about the Cleveland Cavaliers going into the postseason. Let's start with this, Evan. What's the biggest on-court story for the Cavs this year?
1: On the court, it has to be, one, how does Donovan Mitchell look in his first uh, foray in the playoffs of the Cavs just because he is such a dominant playoff threat. But more more than anything, I think it's just how young and inexperienced the rest of this Cavs roster is and J.B. Vickerstaff as a head coach heading into the postseason. And it's going to be fair to question, do they crumble under the pressure like they did last year in the play-in tournament? Or do things kind of expand a little bit and they look more comfortable and kind of act like they belong since they want to really – prove the notion that they're one of the top dogs in the Eastern conference. And maybe they don't win the title this year, but at least they're
0: coming. Let's talk about that rotation around Donovan Mitchell. He gets added to the team to a team that already had Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, uh, Jared Allen. What's the playoff rotation? Give me like the starting lineup, couple of players that you expect to play off the bench. And is there anyone on the bubble that may be in or out due to injury or uh, just because we're not sure if JB Baker staff going to play them?
1: so from my understanding and it's been reported by cleveland.com's uh chris fedor uh if the games had counted down the stretch or mattered rather against the magic and the hornets you would see isaac okoro playing and since the playoffs certainly have a lot more weight than the regular season um isaac okoro will be in the starting lineup as the starting three for cleveland with darius garland at the one donovan mitchell at the two evan mobley at the four jared allen at the five that's been more or less their bread and butter lineup since the all-star break uh, came and went. And they found a lot of success with it, uh, clearly, since they're a top four team in the East. But when rounding out the bench rotation, it's Ricky Rubio uh, as your seventh man, actually. But Karis Lavert is the sixth man. And then you had mentioned guys on the bubble. JV Bickerstaff likes to call them wild cards a little bit. And I think there's a few names that could be kind of tossed around here. And it, it doesn't inspire much hope if you're a Cavs fan, just because it maybe seem a little bleak just in terms of how limited they are depth-wise, but you're looking at guys like Dean Wade, who is a four who the Cavs has to play the three, that is able to provide you some lateral defense, some rebounding, some three-point shooting. Uh, Lamar Stevens, who can't provide you much three-point shooting ability. He busts his butt on defense. Every single possession is comfortable defending one through four, and maybe five at times as well. And then Jetty Osmond, who is more of a gunner off the bench. I think he's just not very great defensively um, but he is probably their most consistent – not consistent, but reliable three-point threat off the bench. And then I think a name that's worth throwing into the ring now is Danny Green, who's played really well uh, over the last three or so games for Cleveland. He's starting to look a little bit better physically. I think he could be uh, a more reliable option if Osmond's is getting – picked apart on defense, but you're going to see a lot of the starting five, especially that core four of Mitchell Garland, Mobley and Allen playing together on the court. And then you're probably going to see Karis Levert maybe getting more minutes um, than Isaac Corral because the Cavs more often than not close games with that core four and Karis Levert on the floor, because it gives you a nice mix and match of playmaking and scoring on offense from every level. And then defensively, you just have that two headed monster and Mobley and Allen just to kind of cover up any of the mistakes the uh, other three have
0: what are the biggest strengths and weaknesses for this Cavs team basically how have they won games this season and how have they lost games in general
1: uh the biggest strength for this Cavs team it's their defense they're the number one defensive team in the NBA um offensively they're a lot better I think I mean understandably adding Donovan Mitchell makes things a lot better for you and they're seventh in net rating in that regard just or second in net rating excuse me and seventh in offensive rating overall after adding Mitchell and as the season wraps up but it's going to be predicated on their defense. J.B. Bickerstaff is always a defensive first coach. He always finds ways to scheme things up creatively. Uh, There's times where we've seen him do a lot of of out-of-the-box stuff, like starting three bigs last season with Mark and Mobley and Allen. Or you see this year, like, hey, Evan Mobley, we know you're only in the second year in the league, but you're a Defensive Player of the Year candidate at this point. Go out there and defend Jimmy Butler in isolation. Or maybe you defend guys just like that are more wingier, stretchier players that Mobley just looks sound and comfortable defending. So the Cavs' biggest strength is their defense. I think a lot of it is predicated and maybe catalyzed, by Evan Mobley just being so comfortable being a multifaceted defender in his second year and just also so good at being comfortable in his second year. And then obviously having Jared Allen is just like that extra option as a backline defender helps a lot too. And then on the inverse of things, it's become a bit more of a strength, but the Cavs have found that they do have younger legs, but they are really good at getting out in transition and transitioning, playing faster. And I think a lot of that helps with Donovan Mitchell wanting to up the pace. You have Isaac Okora, who's comfortable as a streaker. Darius Garland is comfortable acting as more of the uh, lightning to Donovan Mitchell's thunder on offense and I think they are set up nicely to function well especially in the half court and when is slow down in the playoffs and that that's going to be a strength of theirs but the weakness is they are not the best at defending three-pointers uh there's a lot of recency bias especially against the Knicks when Julius Randle I believe had a career best in terms of three-point shooting against Cleveland this year and they kind of get shredded on the perimeter. Or as I said, Isaac Okoro is still dealing with an injury and he may not be a hundred percent come playoff time. And especially when they play New York in the first round, the point of attack defense from a may not quite be there. And that's one of Cleveland's other biggest weaknesses for as talented as Evan Mobley is. You can't ask him to do every single thing at once on the court. That's unrealistic, especially if you don't want to gas him out for a long run. And teams with smaller, faster guards could pick apart Cleveland a little bit. You saw it when they played the Boston Celtics this year and it was Derek White of all people taking advantage of like Jetty Osman or Ricky Rubio in isolation or just on one-on-one matchups or more recently when Isaac Okoro was out against the Knicks you saw Jalen Brunson have a career best game and maybe gave Donovan Mitchell some PTSD from the playoffs last year so we'll, we'll see how it goes but I think those are some of Cleveland's bigger weaknesses but they're starting to find a little bit of that balance on offense and defense where they 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 have the capability to win on both ends of the floor. It's just maybe that youth and inexperience and maybe the moment being so big kind of captivates them a little bit and they can see themselves behind. And that's just maybe another not major issue, but a, a small one that's worth noting that when Cleveland sometimes falls behind, they have a hard time climbing back into a game and they mount an effort to try and make it competitive, but they just don't have enough gas in the tank to push themselves over the edge. Because they have to expend all that energy clawing back into a game where they just weren't looking like themselves or maybe played down to an opponent and they find themselves in like a 20 point hole all of a sudden.
0: Evan Mobley's, the story on Evan Mobley has been interesting this season. His numbers are slightly up across the board, but not really. He hasn't taken this huge leap statistically, but it seems like he has taken a big leap. What has gone into that? And is he the key? Is is him being a potential defensive player of the year player? Is that the key for the, the Cavs to play against this first, Series against the Knicks and then possibly going further than that.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Uh, Evan Mobley is an interesting case. My co-host, Chris Manning intelligently pointed out like he didn't have much of an offensive game. His rookie season, it was a lot, very reliant on other guards, getting him the ball uh, understandable, just especially in the pick and roll. But like when you're functioning as a big man and you're playing with a ball, dominant guard and Darius Garland, that makes sense. Um, and there was a little bit of a concern, like, okay, uh, heading into this year before the Cavs acquired Donovan Mitchell, they really needed Mopley to make, make like a dramatic leap. And I think the luxury of adding Donovan Mitchell to this team is, like you said, the counting stats aren't jumping off the page clearly, but there's just so many small things Mobley does. And they allowed like they as in the Cavs allowed him to grow at his own rate and pace that you're starting to see the two way impact where it's always been on defense. As I mentioned before, he was the catalyst for Cleveland turning things around and being one of the best defensive teams in the league to now, like he's comfortable defending every spot on the floor. He really doesn't shy away from the challenge or the competition when it comes to it. And I think he made that immediate impact for Cleveland and, that's what has him in the defensive player of the year conversation um, at this point in the season. And it's just continuing to get better and better. And then an offensively, you're seeing the uh, the playmaking in terms of whether he's acting as a ball handler, the pick and roll or acting as an offensive hub in the high post, or he's shooting more three pointers now, which is kind of exciting to watch him do, or he's just acting as just like a smart cerebral player where he can just kind of be this offensive hub. And he's riding a lot of momentum where, If you look at the dichotomy of the big four uh, for the Cavs, Jared Allen is fourth. Evan Mobley could be three or two, depending on how you feel about Darius Garland. And Donovan Mitchell is a pretty clear one at this point. But if Mobley just continues to ride this wave of just this, positive growth that he's been showcasing over the last couple months like he could easily be in the conversation to be cleveland's best or second best player during the postseason and heading into the next year and i we you mentioned at the top how far can donovan mitchell take this team i think there is going to be a point in the postseason we're going to say okay how far can evan mobley take this team just because of his especially just because of his defensive impact but also what the little things he does in offense that counting stats don't quite track
0: The FanDuel line for the Cavs in the series against the Knicks is minus 215, so they're a favorite to win that series. What are the expectations from fans, from the team itself, and then you? What are the expectations for this team? Let's just start with that first Knicks series, and then are there expectations beyond that?
1: That's a great question. So for the fan base, I think... There's just natural excitement of making it back to the playoffs, um, just making it there in general, especially after how frustratingly last season ended. And I think now, just when you look at the Knicks, and of course, Knicks fans will think their team's going to win the series, Cavs fans will think their team's going to win the series, but Cleveland is equipped with the star power, and I believe just the youth and athleticism, and a little bit of that unknown factor where the fan base feels pretty positive heading into this, and some folks may expect the championship this year a lot more people are more realistic about this just considering how young and inexperienced this team is come postseason time and I asked uh, Darius Garland about this a while back where I said how badly do you want to make the postseason first and foremost And he told me he was fiending for it and he said I can promise you every guy in that <laughs> locker room and every person on the coaching staff wants to be there so badly and he's like I want to experience it so badly and when they finally clinched I asked him again I said I know you're still fiending but what's?" going to satiate that hunger for you. And Garland told me, getting out of the first round and then just seeing as far as this team can go, because unfortunately for Cleveland's sake, now that you're the four seed, you're going to, if let's say Milwaukee wins the first round, they're going to be placing, playing the bucks in Milwaukee to open up the second round. And like, that's a, that's a tough out A team Cleveland just, and most teams really struggle with because of just how good Milwaukee is on defense and how many pressure points they can hit on the calves. But I think that's the realistic expectation. It's one I've kind of always had. I, I maintained the stance at least when they acquired Donovan Mitchell, because I thought there'd be more growing pains that, okay, if they don't make the playoffs, um, that's a disappointment. And Donovan Mitchell echoed similar sentiments after they clinched, saying that, okay, when I came here, the expectation I told these guys, like we are making the playoffs and we're not going to settle for anything less. And now that they're here, I think it'd be a disappointment if they lose in the first round. I think Rome might be burning a little bit if like they lose in dramatic fashion. But we'll see how it goes. I maintain the stance that the Cavs will – struggle at times with new york just because they are a, a talented team and well coached but they'll find a way to get through it and then they're playing with house money at that point and they can just continue to gain experience and maybe just build momentum and also learn like what are their biggest flaws come postseason time so that they can maybe address those in this upcoming offseason
0: go listen to locked on Cabs with evan damerel and chris manning Every day, daily throughout the postseason, however long the run goes on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Lockdown NBA Playoff Preview.